Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 8, covering uh, Week 7 of the 2023 NFL season. My name is Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Good, doing pretty good. good. We're, Been a uh, long week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I hear you, man. We're, we're Zooming it one, one more time. Hopefully we'll be back in studio next week, but uh yeah until then man let's uh let's dig into this let's uh let's get it get it off and going here with uh, i guess with our uh degenerate corner yeah <laughs> yeah I, I feel the same way this man. isn't this isn't a this isn't a fun part of this show anymore no, for me not at all. uh I'll, I'll i'll just get it out of the way i only had one bet and it sucked like i hit i missed on both uh, parts of this parlay both legs as as they say the kids say um i had san francisco minus seven at uh minnesota uh with the over at 44 none of that stuff happened um so out 100 bucks um that brings my season total uh to 80 dollars and 10 cents you know this is down from 600 dollars roughly week three so I'm just getting kicked in the nuts here. Um, my win percentage is 48% at the moment. Um, yeah. I am going to take some chances. Uh, when we get to that part, I'm going to take some chances this week. I have nothing to lose. I don't know why I'm taking negative um, odds at 100 bucks when, when I'm losing those. I might as well try to get some positive odds uh, with some, some parlays and if I'm going to lose a hundred bucks, I'm going to go big. Let's put yeah. it that way. All right. Well, um, I had a, an atrocious week, uh, three bets, three losses, green Bay minus one at Denver. Um, quite arguably that game set professional football back a decade. Um, Detroit plus three at Baltimore and Cleveland minus two at Indianapolis. Um, Mike, I, I texted you on, I don't know if it was Sunday or Monday, and was just like, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I don't know anything about football. <laughs> Why the hell am I doing a, a football podcast? Um, so, yeah, over uh, three on the week. Uh, I have no idea. I, 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 I Looking at the games this week, it was impossible. I came up with a couple, but we'll get to that later. Uh, I am now negative $800 on the year. So, moving on. Okay, let's get to the games. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, and and these games were this this these games were shit too, man. Like this was uh, we've had a couple weeks in a row of some uh, some pretty disgusting games. Well, I I I flag early games because they had the weird the just they were very weird games, weird scores early on. I had sent you a text that had three of like these bizarro scores. Indianapolis was up on Cleveland. Uh, New England was up on uh, Buffalo, and I believe it was um, maybe the Detroit Atlanta, or I'm sorry, Detroit Baltimore game where yeah. they were up by like 21, like as soon as the game started. It was very, it was a very strange week. It just continues week after week with these very strange games. It's really hard to judge like who is a good team and who is not a good team, the variation. You mentioned parody in, in our text chain um, this week. I mean, it's definitely there. 
So uh, let's dig into it, I guess. Um, our first game, we had Jacksonville at New Orleans. This was for Thursday night football. Um, I just put, wow, Jacksonville is five and two after this game. I mean, that in itself is something uh, very special for that team. Um, their defense looked good. Uh, their office isn't burning down any barns or anything, but they're making enough plays to win. Um, it, it always helps when you can flip an opponent's possession. They had a defensive touchdown in this game. Um, and then conversely, New Orleans looks really bad in the first three quarters. They were down 24 to nine. They made a game of it, uh, scoring 15 unanswered points to tie the game, but ultimately uh, kind of let themselves down uh, uh, as the game expired, as the clock expired. Yeah, yeah. Um, I put Jacksonville's defense to start. Yeah, for the first three quarters of that game, I mean, this was like the like Jacksonville was destroying New Orleans. Um, and I, I've written, I jotted down during the game, Jacksonville's defense is is really starting to impress me. They gave they gave it up a little bit at the end of the game there and let the game get real close. But um, you know, they still they did enough to win. I put David Carr is still David Carr. Um, that running joke, but um, yeah, Derek, I know, I know. Oh, the joke, got it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, still terrible. I blew it. Sorry. I, I think he might be hurt, man. I I don't know, or he might just suck. One of the no, <laughs> his brain is hurt. Yeah, uh, I put Travis Etienne as a dog first. Uh, Jacksonville running back to score a touchdown in three consecutive games in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which. I figured it was Fred Taylor. First of but... all, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. That's just an insane stat in itself. Like this is a, I would say relatively, they were, they came into the league in the nineties, mid nineties. Right. 95. So we've had about, yeah, we've had about 30 years of um, games. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to me that that stat exists. Yeah. That's a good pull. Yeah. So yeah, try and, and I'm uh, I'm reaping the benefits of Travis Atn on my fantasy football team. So shout out to him. So he has my game ball this week. Um, to your point, third week in a row with two touchdowns um, in a game. He has six over the last three games. Uh, he's really taking a lot of pressure off Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have to do too much. He doesn't have to push it downfield and take those risks. Um, I don't know how he does it, ATN, like, but when he hits that outside, it's just, he just fires down the sideline. There is some like downhill speed, um, when they have him have that momentum on those sweeps. <clears throat> you know, I've seen a couple times when he gets that corner, it looks, it looks like he's in slow motion almost. And then he just, mm-hmm. he, like he, exactly. lulls, he lulls the defense to sleep and then he just blows by him down the sideline. I'm like, why, why did they stop running? Like, what are they doing? Like, I think they just are like, we got him. And then he's like, boom, gone. So he blew by him. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Deceptive looks, speed. Yeah, it really is. So good for him. So, so I wanted to shine a spotlight, spotlight on Jacksonville in their next seven games. They're five and two right now, but the next seven are pretty brutal. They're at Pittsburgh next week. Then they have San Francisco, Tennessee, which is a um, divisional rival and plays them really tough. Um, they're at Houston, another uh, divisional game. Uh, then a home for Cincy, uh, which is, depending on what Cincy team you get, could be potentially dangerous. They're at Cleveland, um, and then they host Baltimore. So there's a lot of really good defenses in there. 
that they're going to have to face. Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Tennessee, Houston. I would say Cleveland, Baltimore are top-tier defenses. Cincinnati seems to um, bring it in certain games defensively. But that is quite a gauntlet to run um, uh, for the next seven games. Yeah, that, that'll be telling to see where they're at after those games. So final thing on this game, um, I want to I want to point out a, a witness protection warning. Uh, Calvin Ridley has kind of disappeared uh, these last few games, only 35 yards receiving over the last two, uh, only five this week. Uh, I, uh, Christian Kirk is really stepping up. But I mean, where is this difference maker, Calvin Ridley, um, throughout these these latest games? It's, it's interesting. Yeah, I really thought he would be um, a little more involved. Uh, but, you know, he did have almost two years away from football um, with the injury and the suspension, the gambling suspension. So, I mean, maybe he's – yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the explanation is. It's weird. Because he's flashed a little bit. This it's year. interesting. But yeah, exactly. Like, the skills are there, right? The route running's there. At least we've seen it. Like, where does it go? Is Trevor not looking for him? Is he not re- is is Ridley not reading the field the same way? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. They're playing some pretty brutal de- defenses. I don't expect him to show up uh, those weeks either. But yeah. Um. Anyways, oh. all right. Yeah. Let's move on to this Las Vegas and Chicago um, weird okay. game. Okay. Um. So I have my question to this one is how could this Las Vegas defense that's pretty much won the last two games single-handedly, not stop this horrendous offensive line and a rookie quarterback from a Division II school. This this score blew my mind uh, this week. The Bears won 30-12, to 12, and it didn't feel that close. No. Very strange. It was a strange game. Uh, my the, the first thing I wrote down are five words I thought I would never say. They really missed Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, they couldn't do anything on offense. Brian Hoyer and and Aiden O'Connell both uh, looked terrible against one of the worst teams in football. Um, and the and then I put uh, Deontay Freeman or Deontay Foreman show was live and direct on Sunday, uh, scoring three touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving. Um, yeah. Chicago, uh, I put, I'm not learning the Chicago quarterback's name until he's actually the starter. He played well enough to win the game, but only threw for 162 and a touchdown. So, yeah, that was by spots, spotlight. Uh, Tyson, secret Bajit man, um, 76% on 29 attempts. Like you said, 162 yards in a TD. Um, they were underwhelming numbers, but he did look competent. Uh, perhaps even in control of the offensive at times. He had a couple of good throws. Um, based on the yards and attempt, uh, Chicago didn't put a lot on his plate, but he did what he was supposed to do to get the win. Um, and they really won because of my game ball recipient for this game is uh, Dante, Dante, Dante Foreman. You mentioned his yards in uh, his three TDs earlier. So um, very interesting game. I kind of expected more out of Las Vegas. I, we we talked about them. They don't really do anything well on that team except for Max Crosby. They just do Max Crosby very well. Um, he's a good player. Uh, he is alone on that team. They can't find um, 
Devontae Adams at all. Um, what's his name? Uh, the the little slot guy from uh, Clemson. Uh, he's he, yeah, he's getting traded, right? Well, they gave him permission to seek a trade. So, honestly, uh, Josh McDaniels is a horrible coach, and they he, said that kid wanted a trade because the him and Josh McDaniels don't get along, right? That I don't know. I mean, I would assume so. Anyone, anytime you request a trade, you got to have a problem with either your playing time or the, you know, your coaches or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, Josh McDaniel probably should be fired. Um, he might be a good offensive coordinator. Um, he might have been somehow protected with the, the defense that the, the Patriots had for all those years. He also had, um, Tom Brady, which is, you know, makes a lot of <laughs> offensive coordinators look good. So I don't know. I don't, this guy seems to not know what quarterback he wants to put in. Um, this is just an ugly game. And I think it's on Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I, yeah, I completely agree. I can't, I think that guy's a terrible coach and I hope he gets fired at the end of the season. Him and Brandon Staley. <laughs> We'll get to Brandon Staley soon enough. <laughs> All right. So another one of those weird games, we got Cleveland at Indiana. Um, I found it very difficult to believe that this Cleveland defense, a team that absolutely obliterated San Francisco, San Francisco's high powered offense uh, gave up 38 points to this Indiana, uh, Indiana, this Colts <laughs> gunslinging back of quarterback. I cannot believe the numbers that this guy put up. Um, so Gardner Minshew had 305 yards, two touchdowns, and I think he ran one in, or ran two in, actually. She had four total touchdowns. It just seems crazy to me that that, that game played out like it did. Minshew's got a lot of uh, Fitz magic in him, it feels like. He just, he can, when he gets in there, he can make some stuff happen for a while and before it kind of falls off a cliff, but... Um, yeah, we talked about we talked we talked about this the other day. He's the kind of quarterback where it's like he gets sacked at the wrong time or throws a bad pick, and there's just there's just one thing (laughs) that he that he's not good at. Right? He he doesn't see the blitz coming, or he doesn't see the the guy coming off the edge, and he tries to shove it in in double coverage, or doesn't see the guy sagging in the middle. There's these little things that these, some of these guys have. They look great for three quarters, maybe even most of the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, bam, they stab you in the hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I put down – so, yeah, obviously, I, I bet this game because I thought, you know, even though it's at Indianapolis and Deshaun Watson's not playing, like you're telling me this defense I just saw destroy San Francisco uh, – a week earlier, knock out uh, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel um, is going to lose to the Indianapolis Colts and Gardner Minshew uh, or, or only have to beat them by two points to push. Um, I'm in. And obviously they they won by one point. So, um, but I mean, I felt like I still felt like Cleveland should have won the game. Like, or I mean, should have won by more than what they did win by. Cause I watched a bit of it. Um, it just wasn't. Yeah. yeah, they had that. They had that really good second quarter, right? Yeah, 
where they put up 20 points in the second quarter and they were, you know, they were up at that point. I think it was 27, 21 going into halftime. Um, So they were, they had some momentum going into halftime and they kind of like lost that a little bit. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm no proponent for uh, wishing ill on, on anyone, but Deshaun Watson kind of deserves it. He got a concussion, left the game and he's going to be out again. There's a lot of rumblings kind of online that um, he's just happy with this paycheck he got or this, this big payday he got with the guaranteed fully guaranteed contract. And he's kind of resting on his laurels and not, not getting better. And I mean, tough break for, for Cleveland, but I guess you reap what you sow. So, I mean, they're going to, uh, cause yeah, they can't, I mean, there's nothing they could do. I, I saw what would have, it's like, they're, it's a fully, this is a fully guaranteed deal. They cut him. They're still paying him the rest of that money. It's just insane. So um, the cap hits are, are just astronomical for the next few years. And um, they have nothing. They can I don't see any way that this doesn't go down in history as the worst signing trade in the history of the NFL oh, in the hundred plus history. Yeah, I was watching a breakdown of the Seahawks-Denver trade and subsequent contract that Denver gave to Russell Wilson versus what Cleveland gave up to Houston. And it's, I mean, even though Cleveland gives up three first-round draft picks and then like a couple other picks later in the draft. And, you know, obviously Seattle got two first, two seconds, and then a couple others. Um, down a little further in the draft as well but it's I think it's the fully guaranteed deal that really just kills Cleveland in this deal you know in the in the in the trade um because that's just going to have repercussions that are going to last for a while so yeah Cleveland just being Cleveland well yeah um well my spotlight this week is um I believe Indiana might be the best bad team in the league um, and what I mean by that is they have no shot at a Super Bowl and they're probably not going to win their division, but they are really competitive. Um, for some reason, their skill positions are, are playing very well. Um, they had lost a quarterback, a starting quarterback this year already. They're not very good at skill positions. They had some um, some contract issues with their starting running back to start the season. Um, but man, Gardner Minshew and this team has scored above 20 points every single game this year. So as long as they can get people in the end zone, which they seem to be doing pretty well, um, they, it gives your, your team a chance and that defense just competes. They, they, they get a lot of turnovers. Um, so they're, they're actually kind of fun to watch. They, they're in the game yeah. uh, almost every week. Well, with Moss and Taylor, you essentially have two starting running, starting caliber running backs on your team now. And yeah, I mean, they're, they are, yeah, yeah. like you said, they're a fun team to watch. Gardner Minshew led teams are always a little bit fun to watch because he's just a gunslinger and kind of a wild card. So you never really know what's going to happen. I thought it was weird. His little shoulder shake shimmy when he scored his little, his little touchdown dance. I think he needs to work on that a little bit, but yeah. I don't know what he's trying we'll to do. Talk, here. We'll talk about celebrations that need work shortly. All right. Well, my game ball goes to Miles Garrett. Nine tackles, two sacks, two quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and a block field goal. Um, I think him and TJ Watt are the best 
uh, right now, the best odds or the best chance for winning defensive player of the year. Um, I don't think it's really even close. I think um, they're separating themselves uh, from Micah Parsons. Uh, he kind of like over the last three games has just been, I mean, I was listening to a podcast today. Somebody said, um, uh, what, what's the left tackle for San Francisco? Um, Williams, put him to bed, put him to bed. So um, you don't see that with Miles and you don't see that with TJ Watt. Um, but man, defensive player of the year at this point in my, in my eyes, Miles Garrett, he's really hard to, to, to stop. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, he's all a right. <clears throat> Buffalo at New England. Um, well, I said Indiana was probably the best bad team. I think Buffalo is the worst good team in the NFL. They've taken some L's on defense over the last couple of games, but this Buffalo engine has always been powered by their offense. Um, we've talked about the variability of Josh Allen in this uh, since the beginning of the year. He is simultaneously the reason Buffalo is a Super Bowl favorite and the reason they will probably never win one. It's just it's the weirdest thing um, to like watch and get your head wrapped around. Um, I don't know. They haven't beat a team all year that's over 500 at the time that they play. So that's that's an interesting stat. They seem to be beating up the um, the good uh, beating up the the bad teams and. Um, Losing to the good teams—that's well, that, a problem. They beat Miami though. When Miami <clears throat> what was my? But what was Miami's record at the they time? They were undefeated. What's that? They were undefeated. All right. That's the only good team they played that they've beaten so far. But it's funny, man, because I go. had I had the exact same thing written down, Mike, for this game, and I was I was all like excited when I heard you say that Indianapolis was. You thought they were the best, worst, best bad team, um, because I, I, my first statement on this uh, Buffalo New England game is: is Buffalo the uh, worst bad, worst good team, or best bad team? So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, they're they're real. Uh, like you said, man, it's, it's real hit or miss. Um, they, and like you know, they're beating up on the bad teams. But I think that that them beating my Miami being their only victory over a team with a winning record, I think says more about Miami than it does about Buffalo. If if that makes sense, I think I, I think th Buffalo or I think Miami is yeah in that cat. I think they're just too much of a finesse team, and when they get punched in the mouth, they can't respond. So, but we'll get. Are to you talking about Miami? Yeah. Like my every like they've only that I have it written down where like the teams they've beaten and then the teams they've lost. I mean they lose they the only two good teams they've played they've gotten blown out both games, and they they've beaten five of like the arguably like the eight worst teams in football. There there is a way there's a recipe, I think for beating Miami and Buffalo was able to execute on that recipe. That recipe is to make to a hold the ball and then put pressure on him. If you can do that, they miss those windows. The whole system kind of breaks down and we haven't seen them really adapt to that. Well, we'll get to that uh, throughout the game. Minutes, yeah. But what, so what was your spotlight then? And, and uh game ball? Um, well, my spot. Yeah. My spotlight was Bill Belichick. He got his 300th regular season win. 
He's now one of three coaches above 300 wins uh, behind George Hallis at 318 and Don Shula at 328. Uh, with the playoffs, Bill's up to 331, including, and uh, he's just 16 shy of uh, Shula's uh, 347. So uh, congratulations to him. 300 wins. It's huge. Uh, again, only three people in the history of the NFL uh, has been able to achieve this this uh, this benchmark, um, yes. and he's pretty deserving. I mean, he still has more Super Bowl uh, appearances and wins um, than than any other other coach. So good job by him. Game ball. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, Mac Jones. I mean, it surprises me too. But he was 83% on 30 attempts, 272 yards, two touchdowns. He had a couple of balls that were, like, dare I say, perfectly thrown. Uh, had a really good day out there against um, a really tough Buffalo, all, albeit probably injured, hampered uh, Buffalo defense. Yeah. Um, I think the most important stat he had was zero turnovers. Um, yes. That was big for Important. Him. Very important. Yeah. And rare for him this year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Washington at the Giants. Uh, Riverboat Ron is losing this team. That's kind of my take from this. After winning their first two games, they've gone one and four. The team seems frustrated with the ineptitude. Um, I think we're watching in real time why a tanking strategy, why tanking as a strategy is very difficult to execute in the NFL. Because the players, they get angry and they start voicing those opinions in these moments. And it really starts to degrade at the goodwill that a football team provides a community uh, when they're not fun to watch and they keep losing. And there's a lot of infighting within the organization. We have a new ownership group here and they're on the verge of really losing this team. And I think that's a, that's going to be a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, man. Um, yeah. They're, they're a dumpster fire right now. Uh, I just put not a ton of scoring in the game. Giants defense pitches a shutout in the first half. I only get ends up giving up one touchdown to Brian Robinson in the game. Um, Tyrod Taylor uh, ends up playing again for the Giants. Throws a touch one touchdown to Waller, one touchdown to Barkley and Giants just win an ugly game. Yeah, I have Tyrod as has my game ball. Uh, for the last two games, he's the one that's kind of given uh, the Giants a chance to win the game. Um, I think there was a horrendous hold, like holding call at the end of the game with Buffalo. They should have won that game too. Um, but he had some really good throws in this game, including a bunch that were actually dropped by his receivers, but they were right there on the, on the money where they needed to be. Uh, so he looks like he's out there balling. Uh, my spot... Uh, not balling, crying, but balling. <laughs> uh, the spotlight um, for me this week is welcome to Sackington, D.C. Sam Howell has been sacked 40 times in seven games. That's on pace for 97. Um, this would shatter David Carr's NFL record of 76 set in 2002, which was the first year of his Houston Texans existence. Mm -hmm. So it was a brand new team with you know brand new players essentially not knowing how to protect their franchise quarterback rookie quarterback this is something different this is a 
a mature team, a known team, and they're just letting Sam get pummeled. So something to watch this year. Uh, what happens to him? Does he get hurt? I mean, they're probably taking what? What do you think? Over under seven and a half years off his life? Probably, man. Jesus. When you put it like that, it makes puts things into perspective a little bit. <laughs> Just running yourself into brick walls over and over again. Uh, All right. Uh, moving to Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Um, there were a couple explosive plays in this game. Desmond Ritter had a deep shot to Scott Miller. He had a little nice throw to Kyle Pitts with a little yak on it. Um, put a little yak on it. Um, Baker Mayfield had a nice pass to Mike Evans for a touchdown. Um, but the real story of this game was five total turnovers. There's just these things just stall out drives. Um, a couple of them were even in the red zone, which is just it's a killer. So the score was not very high. It was 16-13 on the scoreboard. But these teams were moving the ball up and down, but they just kept giving it up. Yeah, I, I had down B. John Robinson only plays one snap before leaving the game. Um, Desmond Ritter can't keep playing like this, even if he's winning games. Three, three lost fumbles, um, just really piling up the uh, turnovers this year. And – that's not a recipe. Yeah, for yeah, I had, I had added uh, like a comment, like an episode of X Files. Where where did Bijan Robinson go? Like it's a complete mystery to the world, like where he went and what happened. Was he abducted by aliens um, after getting I don't know retaped? Who knows? Um, we did see him talk about a headache or something this week, so. Um, I think the Atlanta ultimately was fined uh, for not disclosing the injury. Um, so, you know, obviously you want to make sure that Vegas knows the injury report so they can set the lines properly. And that fan duel is going to give uh, Goodell a call if they, if they mess with that. So interesting stuff. All right. My spotlight. Um, I guess I expected more from the Atlanta running game. They did have 156 yards as a team uh, but Ritter had 40 of that and Algier only averaged 2.8 yards per carry so it's just I don't know it's a slog um, Ritter's not ready he, has, he flashes um, but makes a lot of mistakes I think he had three fumbles in this game um, it's in order to cover up from like a, a quarterback that's learning you have to be good at something offensively and we thought it was going to be running the football, um, but it, I'm not sure it's an efficient use of their time based on these numbers. Agree. And my game ball, uh, Young Wei Ku hit the game-winning 51-yard field goal with zero seconds on the clock in a 13-16 game in a uh, – NFC South matchup rivalry. Falcons are now four and three, and they, they sit right there at the top of the NFC South. Yeah, good for him. Good on him. I like it. All right, let's move on to the final uh, early game. Um, this is Detroit at Baltimore. Um, the Detroit defense did not have a solution for Lamar Jackson, kind of full stop. Uh, Detroit offense was under duress all day. Uh, Goff looked very uncomfortable with that um, 
Baltimore defense just coming at him constant, just relentless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just put the, you know, the Lions ran into a buzzsaw called Lamar Jackson. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to me. This game, Lamar throw throws for 357 and three touchdowns also adds a, a rushing touchdown only turned the ball over once too. Which 78%. Is, um, yeah. And he, and the most important thing about Lamar Jackson's style line to me is that he didn't lead the Ravens in rushing which is a positive because I think that is where they get in trouble. Like when he can, when he can throw the ball Relying around the field, too much, yeah. Not, yeah, not taking a lot of hits, not, not getting crushed. Um, but it's crazy, man. This every, every week, Mike, we think a team is turning the corner. There's been, you know, I mean, it's like, Oh, San Francisco's unstoppable. They lose two in a row Eagles who who's beating the Eagles. They end up, you know, blowing a game. To who the Rams? Is that who they lost to? I forget who they blew it to last week. Anyway, um, the the Eagles lost to the Jets. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they had then the Eagles lose to the Jets of all teams, and you're just like, what in the hell is going on? Um, wasn't expecting this from from Detroit. Um, Jared Goff didn't have a terrible game. Uh, Jameer Gibbs kind of got going for the first time this year. We've, we've all kind of been waiting to see that happen. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, Baltimore's up, I think 28 to three or something early in that game. And it's just like, what are you doing now? Like not much, you not much to do from that kind of a deficit. Uh, they didn't score a field goal. It was a touchdown oh, from Gibbs oh uh, in garbage time. Yeah. They, oh, they were yeah. like 31 to nothing until that thing happened. Shit. Yeah. Okay. I yeah I, admit, I I did miss the end of the game so I wasn't I it was it was worse than you remember man worse than I remember <laughs> oh, stress <laughs> yeah so my side is obviously the uh, the Baltimore defense they sacked off five times had eight pressures that's like so many so much he was under duress all day yeah. um uh, they held Detroit's offense to only three hundred and thirty seven yards total. And uh, only that six points that we mentioned earlier, obviously a garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter where you can see the defense was just like, doesn't matter. We, we got this. And my game ball, Lamar Jackson, statistically his best game of the year so far for all the reasons that you mentioned. He had a spectacular game. Um, if he can put a bunch of games like this together, um, I'm definitely move them, moving them up my, uh, my power rankings. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I already had them pretty high, but I'm yeah, I'm that was impressive. But you know what? They're probably gonna go out and I don't know who they're they're probably playing the commanders or something this weekend. They're gonna get beat by 30. And we're gonna be back here next week <laughs> saying, What the hell's going on? Uh Baltimore sucks, like they can't throw the ball. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So game ball to Lamar. Did you already- yeah, they're 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 at they're at Cardinals. At so Cardinals. yes, right, to your yeah. point, this is a this is a potential like what the your WTF game. Yeah. So that's interesting. All right. So let's move on to the late window games. Uh, first one we have on the docket is Pittsburgh at the Rams. Uh, this was actually a pretty exciting game to watch. There were only, I think, four games on that win during that window. So we, I, I got a lot of opportunity to watch these games, which was great. Um, neither team was really relenting this entire game. So they definitely were had their foot on the pedal. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it was it was just a fun game. Uh, my spotlight goes to Puka Nakua, uh, Nakua, 154 yards receiving on eight receptions, and he had that amazing catch on the sideline, um, the toe drag swag that led to uh, the Rams taking the lead, uh, 17 to 10, a few plays later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, you know, Rams are down to like their sixth string running back. Uh, Puka is playing on another planet right now, over 150 yards receiving. Uh, Pittsburgh was able to get three rushing touchdowns, uh, including Najee Harris's first of the season. On uh, the Pittsburgh defense, you know, did enough to win the game. So good on them. Um. Yeah, so my game ball goes to T.J. Watt. There wasn't a lot of statistics that jumped out to me in this game where I could go, that is hands down, like, the guy who who deserves the game ball. But there's one play where T.J. Watt is lined up against the slot receiver. He's playing off of it. Um, he's, not, you know, he's not in his three-point stance rushing a quarterback. And he sees... Uh, Stafford look at the receiver he breaks off of his guy and then what a great defensive play reading the quarterback's eyes makes a break on the ball and gets the interception flips that again we always like these turnovers because it, it flips those possessions it gives you the ball and, and in this case it was in Rams territory it led to a touchdown and it's all part of that thing that contributes to this surprisingly four and two Pittsburgh team um, having an opportunity here to win a division, potentially win a couple of games in the playoffs. And if their offense can be in some, any sync whatsoever, um, then they could be dangerous for sure. Yeah. So TJ Watt gets my game ball. I had, I had a little peekaboo peekaboo, Alex Smith. I see you or uh, hi Smith. Um, this dude, was exploding off the line. He didn't get home, but he definitely had Stafford looking in his peripherals. And anytime you can get a, a like a a quarterback kind of not comfortable in the pocket or kind of reading that that rush, uh, it gives that defense a little bit more time to get into place. It helps your it helps your cornerbacks uh, and your safeties on the back end. Um, I felt like the pressure was relentless uh, with with him on that uh, on that right side. Yeah, no, good. Yeah, the, the that combination of him and T.J. Watt is pretty pretty vicious. I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. All right, let's moving on to um, Arizona at Seattle. Um, you, I, this game, I kind of saw the life of Arizona slowly leaving their bodies. Like their soul was kind of floating out as real time. Um, they were feisty in the first half. Um, it was close. They were only down 14, 10, but you know, they just, they can't sustain the effort, the full 60. My spotlight goes to the Seattle pass rush. Uh, they were making Dobbs really uncomfortable all day. They sacked him four times, had eight quarterback hits um, it's funny, this defense, it's the tail of two D, uh, defenses here. Um, their pass rush looks really good game to game, but they're, they can't really tackle. I have a concern meter here. So on my concern, what is your concern meter for Seattle's discipline? We have issues tackling in the running game, um, where some turnovers, 
lack of edu- uh, execution in the red zone. So on a scale of, let's say, uh, five, one DEFCON meter, like, where are you at? Are you like five? It's green. No worries whatsoever. Or are you like one, you know, rushes launching missiles at us? We, something needs to change. We need to do oh, something. I'm, I'm probably at a three right now, but I'm a pessimistic Seattle fan. So I'm automatic. Like I'm one. Like we're on DEFCON. Like I'm terrified. Like I think we're losing one. every game. I think we're losing every game, Mike. Every Blow it game. up. One. It's like we're yeah. we're we're screwed. <laughs> but then they come out and do you know, Are you able to turn the emotion down a little bit? You know, it's have some I, logic I in there or I mean I think you're probably right that it should be at about a three, but it's like you know, we were up what, fourteen to seven at halftime? Is that what it was? Uh, 14 10 at halftime and then we came out and had just inexplicable turnovers uh gino it, it just needs he he needs to do better with the ball man um i think he's a great game manager but sometimes he just gets like it's like it's like your yolo josh allen like he just is gonna throw the ball try to fit it in somewhere that doesn't belong and yeah, Seattle's going to pay the price. So I think the difference is Josh Allen does see the blitz coming. He does see the guy in his face on the right side, right. but he does some crazy shit anyway. Geno Smith's the guy that doesn't see it. And at those key moments with a really good defense and a very high leverage pressure situation, that's when Geno fails. He fit, it failed it kind of like last week when he took that sack because he didn't see the guy rushing from his right side. Uh, in fact, the right side, because he's a right-handed quarterback, is where you have the most vis- visibility. It's not on your blind side. You should be able to see that. But because when he took that ball, hit hit his back pedal, he's looking to his left the entire time. He doesn't even give a little look to the right, even to look off a, a safety or anything. Those are the little things that I think make all of the difference when you talk about he's a good quarterback he's a game managing quarterback and he's an elite quarterback or even a great quarterback depending on where you're at with the in your tiers he's not he's not tier Gino's probably tier three or four out of the 32 starting quarterbacks so he's in that uh just above middle range um and I'm not sure unless unless for some weird reason he gets this sixth sense and is able to start seeing the field at that speed at that level. Um, but I honestly, that's part of the things that I don't think you can teach. Um, you can teach, you can teach somebody how to throw, you can teach them how to read a defense. You can teach, you know, the, the, where the foot, the foot placement, there's all these things that you can work on with people. You can put, you can design a game plan to fit their style better. There's all these different things that you can do to help a quarterback, but you can't make them see things. You just, you just out there. Just not paying attention. We'll see. All right. My game ball, um, I, I gave it to the Seattle rookie wide, uh, wide receivers, uh, both Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jake Bobo, uh, both with 60-plus yards. That catch was amazing. Yeah. So 60-plus uh, yards receiving for each of them, and they both had their first TD uh, in, in their NFL careers. So good job by them uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah, interesting topic to keep an eye on is that 
uh, after the game, Pete Carroll came out unprovoked and was like, DK Metcalf wanted to be out there today. This wasn't any kind of disciplinary thing. Everybody's like, okay. We didn't think it was. But we didn't ask that question, Pete. Yeah, we didn't ask that question. <laughs> and nobody was assuming that. We just figured he was hurt. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Pete's out there playing himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one to watch. All right. That uh that Jake Bobo catch was was one of the best we've seen I think this year. So uh, good for him getting the end zone for the first. Yes, very much. It was very much like the Puka the Puka catch that I mentioned earlier, right? Right. Except obviously Bobo's was a touchdown, but it was the kind of the same thing where you got that toe in as they're falling down and it drags out of bounds. So really good job getting those feet in uh, by Bobo. Couple of great plays by him uh, in this game. All right, next game: Green Bay at Denver. Um, second half of this game um, was all over the red zone channel. These teams scored twenty-seven points in the final two quarters. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, my spotlight is the Denver running game. They had one hundred and forty-five yards as a team, including Dangerous himself. Uh, he peeled off a twenty-one yard run that kept this drive alive. Moved the sticks. It's kind of kept matriculating the field, a little ball control. Um, man, I'll just go ahead and say it, and we'll get to your points here in a minute. My game ball goes to Russell. 70% passing on 29 attempts, only 194 yards, but he had a T TD and, again, no turnovers. I think this is the second game in a row with no turnovers. Um, he's had uh, He had two to three huge throws downfield um on on sunday that uh, where he kind of moved outside of the pocket to keep the play alive I mean, he was he was doing everything that he had to do to get um to, to win this game so i'm giving him my game ball this week all right um there will be no game balls for me for this game uh these teams are terrible <laughs> to your chagrin <laughs> these teams are two of the worst teams in football probably worst five teams in football uh, Jordan Love. Boy, was I wrong about. Uh, boy, was I wrong about Green Bay. Jordan Love is terrible, man. Like I don't. Maybe he'll figure it out eventually, but he does not look good. Um, I did put Russell Wilson played better in this game. Seventy-seven percent completion percentage. Uh, you know, Denver. Denver eked out a W, man. It's. Uh, I mean, they. Yeah, they beat another terrible team they're not beating anybody good they're gonna end up like four and whatever what four and 15 i don't know how many goddamn games they play anymore anyway um they're gonna probably win four games and have a top five five or six draft pick and russell wilson will be playing somewhere else or out of the league next year i'm not out of the league come on like we said man who's giving that guy uh, i don't know anyway well, yeah, I mean, he probably won't be out of the league. You're right. Somebody's going to take a shot on him. What if Pete brings him back? He's like, he's, he's, he's 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 better than Mac Jones. I'm going to rehab you. Come home, little birdie. I'm going to make you fly again. Yeah, you're you, – you're... <laughs> That would be hilarious. That would be, that would be a, a hell of a storyline, though. Anyway. I don't want to even talk about this. I'll say this. I don't I don't want to listen to anything that Russell Wilson has to say about life, about his career, about his legacy. Uh, I don't want to know what kind of coffee he drinks. I don't care. Um, but as it relates to what he's doing on the football field this year, it's probably the best he's looked 
in three years. Um, he has a horrible team around him, and he's the only bright spot of this team, whether you or Sean Payton agree. It is fact. Okay. All right, man. All right. Let's go. Clip, that- Clippers at Kansas City. Clippers and Casey. All right. All right, so let me um, let me let me, this... let me let me say what I had first, real quick. So, uh, Mahomes has a big day, four hundred yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Maado has a big day, one hundred and seventy nine yards receiving and a touchdown. You know, Mahomes. Maado commercial. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I put, commercial, uh, right. I put yeah. Kansas City's offense finally steps up in a big way, or finally shows up in a big way. Uh, Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes did the whitest handshake uh, in the history of premeditated handshakes. And Chargers just cannot get over the hump. Poorly coached team. Bill Belichick next Why does it have to be about a white handshake? A high five is the whitest handshake. What are you talking about? That's, it's the it's the it's the most whitest thing ever. The little thing, dude, was like it was so bad. Like whatever. No, it was it was those two white girls did the whitest handshake ever. Why? Why you? Why you hate? You always you're a hater. I'm not, man. I'm not you don't a hater, like joy. It's just cool, like man. whatever. You're a hater. I just like all the. You know what? All I right. Do? So my spotlight. Wait, 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 wait. You know what I do like is that all the like little memes and stuff are like Jackson Mahomes like behind Taylor Swift a little ways, and everybody like, uh oh, get this fucking guy out of here. Well, Jackson has bigger fish to fry, like keeping Jackson, himself out of prison. Keep Jackson um, away from So him. let's, yeah, keep keep keep, Jackson keep, it, away keep from that him. name out of your mouth. All right. Um, yeah. So I thought this was uh, a kind of a lopsided game. Um, there was a lot of energy between these two teams, regardless of how well I thought um, or didn't think the Chargers played. Um, my spotlight obviously travels Travis Kelsey. Um, 170, you, you mentioned 179 yards receiving in a, in a touchdown. I got Mahomes as my game ball. It's pretty straightforward. He did have a pretty horrible interception. Um, I don't think he's the best deep ball thrower. Like, ball came out a little, little slow, a little wobbly, um, wasn't really on target. Um, I bet you if he just sets his foot right, um, that, that has a different ending to it, but sometimes he doesn't set his feet right and he tries to wing it down there and he is just crazy within about 20 yards, uh, with the throws and the angles and, um, throwing him off platform on platform, like jumping in the air. He's just, just, a, just a joy to watch. Uh, but that was a bad throw. Yeah. That's the only bad thing I can say about this performance for him. And I'm sure he's going to go, well, I won't do that again. And then go win another Super Bowl. Right. All right. Is that all you got for that one? All right. This, yeah, that's it. All right. This takes us into that Miami-Philadelphia game, uh, Sunday night football. Those Kelly Green throwbacks. Let's go. Um, I felt like I was back in the nineties watching Randall Cunningham and that gangrene defense. It just, oh. there's something about those. Um, I saw this old, like AI colored, uh, like it was a still photo of like some 1948 Philly team, just full color, just going, ah, 
there's the Kelly Green even back then. I'm just like, they got to go back to this. When the owner took over, they wanted to change things and they took out the Kelly Green and they got those other like dark green ones. And right. I'm like, you know, dark green was like a color that uh, that was very popular in houses, carpets and paint and all this other stuff back in the 90s and early 2000s that like emerald green, you know, darker greens. And it just it doesn't work anymore. I say let's bring back the Kelly Let's let's keep that. To me, it's as pure as Pittsburgh Steeler uniform, as pure as a, a Browns uniform. You really can't change those things. They've been there. Um, I think they need to come up with some other alternative. Like no, they had where they the no um, wings on the helmet, like old school throwbacks. But let's bring that Kelly Green back for me. Um, my spotlight for this game is Jalen Hurts. Um, 75% passing on 31 attempts, 279, two touchdowns. He had a pick, uh, 21 yard rushing and a touchdown. He had a fumble. Um, that's 15 total TDs this year so far and nine turnovers. Uh, I think he really needs to start figuring out what's going on there. Why the turnovers, why the fumble? He only has two fumbles, so it's not huge, but those, those the interceptions, he had seven turnovers all of last year. He's already at nine. Still has ten games left this season. Well, nine. I think they have a um, no ten games left this season. Um, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, they have a real tough stretch coming at, uh, ahead. They're at Washington next week. Then they have Dallas at KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Dallas. So this is a gauntlet. Just another. Just like, can they get through this? Um, what do you think? Maybe. Two losses, maybe. Yeah. Dallas twice in that in that stretch. I mean, they they've got to split that at I least. Think da- I don't think Dallas is very good, but I think that they those two teams always play tough games, so it'll be sure right. That. And Washington was the only team that beat them last year, so you know who knows what what goes on. So All right, game ball, AJ. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do your game ball. No, I want you to go. <laughs> I just had put down, I was going to run through the, so the five teams that Miami has beaten in 2023, New England, Denver, Carolina, New York Giants, and the LA Chargers. That's it. Two teams they've lost to, Philadelphia and yeah. Are they a good team? Well, yeah, they're a good team. They're they're top eight. They were five and one going into this game. Yeah, they're a good team. Or do they have weaknesses? Yeah. When they play better defenses, they have a tough time executing that offense. There's no question. They're a I bit think, soft. I want. Yeah, they're soft. That's that's what I think too. Um, I yeah, I'm I'm interested to see when they start playing some more middle of the road teams. I mean, I guess the Chargers are a middle of the road team more than those other four, but. Uh, yeah, I want to see. I want to see what they- I, I I think from a skill position perspective, you have two choices. You either go with tough guy or you go with fast guy. And they chose all the fast guys. Yeah. All right. Which is great. They they can they can put points on anybody. They can beat any defense given the amount of time. But when somebody gets up in your grill and really puts the uh, put 
puts the pressure on. They they have a tough time executing in that in that offense. So all right, we'll give your game ball and let's get on to this last game of the week. AJ Brown. 137 yards and a touchdown. That's his fifth straight game with 100 yards. Um, he's balling out right now. Yeah. I did make a side note, too. Um, even though uh, Philly won this game, I think their deficiencies on defense uh, really kind of, in this, in this game, scared them. Pretty much like Tyreek was taking the top off the defense. They, were, they didn't have the speed to keep up with that team. As we discussed earlier, they did upgrade the middle of their defense uh, this week by trading for Kevin uh, Baird. Um, they traded uh, they traded for him uh, from Tennessee. Uh, they sent Terrell Edmonds over there, a 2024 fifth round pick and sixth round pick. One of the things that I like about Roseman um, is when he sees it, something going wrong or he sees a deficiency, he tries to go out and solve that problem. I will never, if he misses, um, I'm never going to give him any guff because he's out there trying. He is making micro adjustments. He is coming up with ways to bring talent onto this team. Um, they're, they seem to be integrated pretty seamless. They brought a couple of, what was it, Joseph and um, – and Dominic and Sue last year and just threw them on the defensive line. And they, they seem to just integrate really well, especially Sue has been kind of known to be a little enigmatic, uh, difficult to deal with at times player. And he seemed to kind of fit right into their, into their vibe. So uh, I give him a lot of credit for trying to fill these gaps in their team. Uh, if I see that on a team, I'm like, this team is trying to get better. This try team is trying to do it. Um, and get it done right. And uh, I have high hopes um, for the Eagles and my property on Eagles Island. All right. All right. Final game of the week, Monday Night Football, San Francisco at Minnesota. Minnesota played a tremendous game. Uh, they dominated the line of scrimmage, both offensive defense. They blitzed the hell out of Brock Purdy. They forced him into a couple mistakes. Uh, Minnesota's blitz rate under Flores this year is 57%. Did you see this stat? That's 20% higher than the next team. It's absolutely insane. It's basically like a good quarterback can, can beat the blitz. But if it's like they, if they are so relentless that you don't have time to execute, eventually they're going to get to you. And if they can cause some turnovers like they did today or up today, like they did Monday, I mean, it's a win. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just – I was blown away by Kirk Cousins' performance, first of all, going for 370. He looked sharp. Touchdowns. He looked really good. It looked like yeah. he was auditioning for another team, but I know he said they. You know, the, the rumors are he's not going to waive his uh, no-trade clause. So, uh, yeah, good for him for being good enough to have a no-trade clause. So, uh, Jordan Addison I'll, – I'll go the opposite direction. With with the with this win this week, they're they're not tanking. That's true. Yeah, they're three and what five now? Three and four? Yeah, yeah. You can't tank not in that division. Um, Jordan Addison, no. man. Uh, Jordan Addison getting you know uh, J Justin Jefferson's out for a few weeks, so he he really stepped up. Seven receptions, hundred twenty three yards, and two uh, two touchdowns. So. Good well, he's my spotlight. Did you see the one where he ripped that uh, potential interception away yeah. uh, from the defender? 
and score the TV TD. When I saw that the replay and in slow motion, that that quarterback actually caught that ball, and he just got his hand in there, ripped it out, and it was right at halftime too. Basically, not only did I beat the defender, I stole the interception from him, and I scored, and we went into halftime. So it's like boom. It's just like he was all over the field. In fact, he had the catch. And that particular defender had ripped the ball out from his hands. Um, that was Kirk Cousins, quote unquote, first only mistake of the game, really. Um, and I wouldn't even put that on him. They should call those a fumble, not an interception. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm giving credit where credit is due with with Kirk Cousins. He's fantastic. He looked sharp. He was spinning the ball. Uh, he was out there throwing lawn darts. Um, so it was a lot of fun to watch. His play action um, was killing the the 49ers. I, I just – I don't know. Just They seemed out of sorts, the 49ers, for two weeks in a row, really. Yeah, they – seriously. And now Brock Purdy uh, was placed on concussion protocol today. So, see what happens with him this weekend. It doesn't sound like he's going to play this weekend against the uh, Bengals, so – yeah, we'll see. What is that? Uh, Sam Darnold coming up? Yep. The Sam Darnold era begins, right? Yes, sir. All right. I have some flowers to give out for this game. Uh, my first bouquet goes to CMC. Had his 16th consecutive game with the touchdown. This breaks the from scrimmage record. Um, he's now chasing Lenny Moore, who has 17 total touchdowns, including punt and kickoff returns. Uh, second bouquet goes to the resiliency of Minnesota. They started off 0-3. They've gone 3-1 and since. Um, that, uh, there's one loss in that, that time frame, and it was only a seven-point loss uh, to Kansas City. So they were, they were right there with Kansas City. Um, and who knows? Let's take a look at what their uh, next few games look like and uh, kind of try to predict. They got the Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders coming up next. I mean, if that's not just a perfect lineup mm-hmm. for I – mean, they could, they potentially win all of these games. Yeah. So they could they, they could be – what are they, three? They could be nine and four going oh, into uh, a game with the Bengals. Now they have the Lions, three out of their final or two out of their final three games, and uh, they host the Packers uh, on a Sunday night game, um, uh, the game before the end of the season. So they finish up with the Bengals, Lions, Packers, Lions, some tougher games, but this is a very winnable schedule. Um, I'm not, I'm not putting them to bed quite yet. Um, I think they can still win the division. Um, yeah, just, we'll see. Let's go, indeed. Let's go. All right, that is that's the end of week seven's games. So let's look forward a bit. Was there any game that jumped out of you uh, this week? You know, Mike, I was going through, and I really – I mean, I picked a couple. I'm not really – look. there's nothing really that I'm super excited for this weekend. I had down uh, – Bengals and 49ers look like the best game, I guess, now with uh, Sam Darnold starting most likely over 
uh, Brock Purdy, maybe that's not going to be as interesting of a game. I had Patrick, uh, Patriots and Dolphins. I feel like uh, Belichick usually drops one to the Dolphins and wins one against the Dolphins every year at the peak of their dynasty to their like lowest of lows the last couple of years. Um, and then I had Brown, or, uh, Browns and Seahawks were my third game. How about you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of look at all of these and I think there's a good um, almost every single game, most games, I should say, have like this thing that I'm interested to see Bucks Bills even on Thursday night. I mean, are we going to see Mayfield magic or is he going to be frantic and the Bills kind of rebound here? The Rams Cowboys Rams have been playing really tough. Cowboys had a have a had a couple couple three weeks that have been difficult couple of slog games can the rams get up early on the cowboys vikings still fighting for a playoff uh saints colts is probably a garbage game patriots dolphins and those teams always i mean i'm interested to see what the what the patriots defense can do slow down this game keep the 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 score low i mean there's i think there's some some storylines in some of these games that are interesting um, but to your point, like they don't jump off the page is like, this is a marquee matchup that I can't wait to see. Right. All right. All right. So I, so here's what I found. Gambling is a risky business. If you need help. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes Jeremy, you have to say what the fuck. All right. So here is the bets that I have. Okay. Okay. Let's get it. Bear with me here. Let's go. We're going to win. I got Mike. God damn it. We're going to win. All right. Let's go. (laughs) My first one is a three leg parlay. Three teams. (laughs) We're doing Cleveland money line at Seattle. Okay. I got the Pittsburgh money line hosting Jacksonville and the Buffalo money line. Um, Hosting Tampa Bay. That's plus nine ninety six. That's my okay. first one. Uh, my next one is a, a two leg parlay. I got New England plus nine and a half um, at Miami, and I'm taking the under forty six and a half. That's plus two twenty four. Um, Miami, I'm sorry, Minnesota money line at Green Bay, combined with Cincinnati. At San Francisco, I got the money line, San Francisco, uh, along with the over 34 and a half, another three leg there. That's plus 455. And then finally, I have, I took the two uh, plus or uh, eight and a half point spread games. Um, I took Chicago. I'm taking the, um, the underdog in both cases. I got Chicago plus eight and a half at uh, the Chargers on Monday night. And then Las Vegas, I'm sorry. Uh, Sunday night, and then I got Las Vegas plus eight and a half at Detroit uh, for Monday night. That's plus two fifty six. Um, we're taking some big swings here because I don't give a shit anymore. All right, um, KC minus seven at Denver. I'm going to bet against Denver every week, uh, more than likely. Forty uh, ers minus three and a half uh, at home against Cincinnati. I think even with uh, Sam Darnold playing that defense can can shut down Cincinnati's offense how they've uh, how they've been going at it the last uh, well this whole season really uh, and then I have the Rams plus six and a half at Dallas um, I feel like that's a lot of points and I still am not 
sold on Dallas's defense um, after losing Diggs. And, yeah. I, I, I liked Rams plus six and a half. I wanted to take some player, like some player props to add to that, to create it like an in-game um, okay. parlay. I just, uh, I don't, I don't know how to build it on, on FanDuel. I don't know if it's because we're in Washington and we don't have the full scope of it, but there were no player props listed in there. I was hoping to get like a, like a cup touchdown with a, like a Parsons sack, you know, that kind of thing going with that game. Um, but there wasn't enough uh, juice on, on the game itself from a, from a spread perspective from an odds perspective to, to have me take that risk. You know what I mean? Right. All right. All right. Well, there it is. That's All right. It. Jeremy's question of the week. What do you got for me? Uh, Mike. How many after just with all this crazy ass parody we're having 49ers losing two in a row, uh, no more undefeated teams after only what, six weeks into the, I think six after six weeks, the the first teams lost or the last teams lost. How many legitimate Super Bowl contenders are there in the NFL right now? Three. Like, can I guess? Kansas City, Philadelphia. Yeah, go ahead. You already said it. Never mind. Fun's all gone. So that's my that's my tier one. Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco. That's Can you guess my tier two? I added I added four more who I thought four. had four more that I thought had a chance if everything fell right or somebody some major injury happened uh, to some teams in tier one. Okay, let me guess. Buffalo. No. Uh, Miami. Yes. Um, Detroit. That was like they jumped on the wagon at the last moment as as we as I was pulling away. But yes, we don't need all these caveats. They're last in. Just tell me if it's a yes or a no. Last in. Uh, I'm gonna guess. Yes, last Atlas. in. Yep. And Bills are not on there, huh? Okay. Um, Jacksonville? God, no. No faith in Jacksonville. I, I don't know who your fourth team is then. It's not the Seahawks. Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, Baltimore over the Dolphins, huh? I mean, I didn't put the, the tier no, two in, sorry, a, in no, a particular sorry, order. Baltimore over the Bills, I mean. Yes. Okay. Because even with the injuries, they're 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 playing way better than the Bills are. The very the variability with the Bills are scares me. Okay. One week they can look like world beaters. The next week they're losing to a team that you wouldn't expect. It doesn't make any sense. I think Yolo Josh Allen is a thing this year. Um, I think that their defense is really injured. The middle of that field, their linebacker, um, uh, Milano is hurt. Um, they have their uh, star cornerback that's out. Their, their safeties are old and are in, in and out of um, the game, uh, in and out of injury throughout so far throughout the year. Poyer and, um, and what's their other guy? 
but those guys are off injured. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think when we start looking at teams as a whole, Buffalo just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. So we're off take corner. I assume you don't have any takes because you've given up this on this segment. Um, yeah, you're did, not putting yourself out there anymore. I did have that. I may be wrong about Russell Wilson losing his job after this week's game, but he'll not be back with Denver next year, which speaks volumes because they're going to have to eat like $70 million on their salary cap next year to get rid of him. Well, I think it's like 30, but yeah, not 70. Maybe maybe it's 70 if it's a a pre-June 1st. Anyway, it's a lot of money. It's going to be one of the highest that somebody's ever eaten. Like, uh, it's the highest amount of uh, salary cap or dead money that somebody's ever taken on. It sure as hell shouldn't stop them from drafting a quarterback if they're in a position to do so, get get another quarterback. But, I mean, if you have to take the cap hit, like, why can't you have him in as as a backup? Because he won't like it. I mean, what is he going to do? Give up $35 for the year? I don't know if that's going to happen. No. But, yeah. I don't know. All right. So my, my, is that it? Is that your hot take? That's my only take. So we're, we're pushing the previous take and now it's, it, now it's. No, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm acknowledging that the previous take was not a good one, but I'm, I'm changing my take now. It was an aggressive take. I don't know about good or not good, but it was definitely aggressive. I like to hear it. Just keep them coming. It's fine. This is a safe place. Thanks, Mike. I need a hug, man. We're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to have to do this in studio next week. Yeah, we're going to. Because we have our power rankings next, next week. So I think um, we, need to, we need to be in the, in the same room to do this. All right. So I had a, like a thought. And I go, I think there's going to be a mass migration of talent from the teams at the bottom of the league. You know, teams at the uh, AKA at the top of the 2024 draft order. Um, and I kind of was looking at the teams that are outside of what you would project to be in a playoff based on what their current record is right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's like the wild card round player teams and the, the yeah. yeah. So this is the first, I think, 18 teams, 19 teams, something like that. So obviously, Carolina winless so far, but their first pick goes to Chicago. Carolina has no incentive to really take at this point. Um, honestly, I don't think they have a choice to tank or not to tank because they stink. Um, but Chicago is just going to sit there and do their thing. I think Chicago has what they can execute. They have two choices, in my opinion. One, you move on from Justin Fields, you trade him and you draft a quarterback. Two, you trade the picks for more picks. Uh, then you, uh, build the team from the inside out with those plethora of picks for me. Um, I don't know if I'm a believer in Justin Fields. Um, I think he's a, he's above the, the mean, but I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback, especially when you're looking at a Caleb Williams or, a, um, was it Drake may. Yeah. Or, or even, a. um, a Knicks, who knows? Um, so Arizona, I think, are sellers. They're going to unload as many expensive players as they possibly can. I think Denver's a seller. They have they have limited talent. 
I think they probably have two people that are any of any major value in the open market. I think that's Sutton, well, maybe three, Judy and uh, Patrick Sertain. Um, you know, it's funny in that middle area where you have like the Giants, New England, Green Bay, uh, the, La uh, the Chargers, they're all seeming to under this impression that they're going to there's a possibility that they can do something. I think all of those teams are pushing. We're just going to be, we're not sellers. We're not buyers. We're just going to, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. Um, I think Tennessee's a seller. I think Las Vegas um, is too dysfunctional to know they should be sellers. Um, I think Minnesota now is a buyer. I think they have, I think they actually like legitimate have a shot at, at the division. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of Indianapolis is a buyer. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I think Indianapolis is the same. They still have a shot. And yeah. I think they're going to run with that shot. Um, which Washington to me is another team that is so dysfunctional that they don't know that they should be sellers. They should be dumping people left and right right now to try and get some picks. They need to get a new coach. They need uh, like a GM that has some sense in there that knows how to build a team. Um, we'll see. Um, and the Jets, to me, is, a, again, a push. Just get us to January and we'll see what happens. I think that's their mentality right now. Um, yeah, so it's it'll be interesting to see how some of these bottom-dwelling teams um, make moves uh, before the trade deadline, I guess, in a week, right? Oof. No yeah. real things happening so far, though. Chris, or, uh, I almost said Christmas, Halloween, uh, Halloween afternoon. We will, uh, there it is. have the trade deadline. So yeah, I'm excited for that, man. All right. Diversity. What do you got? I only have one. What, what did you, did you have some? I, I got, yeah, go. Okay, man. I'm just saying like, if you had a bunch, I was going to let you go first. Um, so Mike, the other night I was laying in bed, I'm watching YouTube and, Hanging out, you trying to go to sleep. What? No, you don't watch YouTube? Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, I don't lay in bed and watch YouTube. Well, I'm just like flipping through, man. I like have a couple like little YouTube shows that I watch. I watch this thing called the Dozen Trivia Challenge. It's on it's fun sports and and like pop culture uh, stuff. Anyway, uh, it led into whatever YouTube video I was watching ended, and it I think I was like starting to doze off, and it led into a Zane Lowe interview with Blink One Eighty Two. I, mean, I was a Blink-182 mm. fan when I was, you know, 8, 17, 15, 16, 17, 18, probably when they had their kind of like good run with uh, the whole pop punk uh, phenomenon that, that, you know, they were kind of uh, spearheading at the time. But uh, so they, I, knew, I knew they had broken up. So the, the Blink-182 is made up of Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, and Travis Barker, who's probably the most well-known, the drummer. Um they but Mark and Tom were like really good friends from the time they were in high school on and uh, they were like kind of the heart and soul of the band they brought Travis Barker in later on after they had some a little bit of success but they uh they had so Mark Hoppus I guess ended up coming out with stage four cancer a couple of years ago and like, oh, wow. nobody really knew about it but that like brought them back together and he said basically like you know there's, so there's this like hour and a half long interview i watched and i just and then i started doing like deep dive on their old music videos and um 
kind of like you know just some of the stuff they were doing and basically they just got you know another chance to reconnect and like zane lowe who's a you know pretty big music critic i guess and um he was just like this i think he's like i'm a huge fan of your guys and this is your best album ever and i listened to the album it's good it does it sounds a lot like the old blink 182 stuff like real angsty i guess some more it's it's a more grown-up angsty uh angsty teenage vibe now um or something like that so uh it, it it was interesting man i was uh i i enjoyed kind of diving back into just like you know some of my childhood memories from listening to some of that music and how they've like hearing how they've evolved over over the last 20 plus years and um, it's just interesting man I, I enjoyed it I had a good time kind of uh kind of listening and and uh, reflecting on some of that stuff this week there's an interesting podcast that I listen to uh from time to time called uh 60 songs that explain the 90s it's on part of the ringer network but they that. basically describe all yeah it's it's really good and one of the one of the I forget what the song in particular song it was, but it blink 182 obviously was the artist. And they were talking about how um, before Travis Barker joined, they were kind of like this middling band that was kind of punky, kind of like new uh, California, like sunshine kind of like weird space. Yeah. And they brought Travis in and he's the one that changed their trajectory I thought this was interesting that a drummer can add this much like rhythm and change the music style to where it be, they became very popular and what, so their first couple of albums, I don't think they were Blink-182 at the time, but the first couple of albums that the other two guys put together weren't big hits. It was until they added Travis that it became, they became what they became. Um, also, they had that, they had it's very song. much. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. They had the song growing up um that was on a bunch of movies and it was like that was like their one big hit before travis barker joined but i went back and watched that video and i was like you know the three of them are walking in i'm like oh wait that's not travis barker that's somebody else it's like a dude they were friends with in high school and i'm like man what must he have thought after that but yeah i don't think they would have had to reach the heights they did without travis barker so anyway sorry finish your point yeah it's 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 crazy i was listening to this um this interview about uh, the drummer for the police, you know, with Sting and all that. And the question was like, how did you end up with Sting? And he goes, well, he was a singer and he had an amp. And I'm like, that's how this stuff starts. Yeah. A dude in your neighborhood has a freaking bass guitar or has an amp or has the drum set. And then before you know it, you guys are on tour around the planet. Just crazy stuff. Um, and to your other point with like, it's hard to watch like some of these punk groups um, and rappers and things like that as they get established in their career, that angst, you, you don't feel that angst anymore in their music. You almost have to creatively adjust like where you're at in order to, uh, that's what I really appreciate about Outkast. They start like hard and then they kind of go into these different stratospheres and each one of their album is a very distinct sound and a very distinct like a feel or motion to it uh, i sent you uh i think i sent you a, like a little clip of an orchestra doing um me and you by the outcasts yeah 
And, um, and it was just, it's just crazy that, that there's an emotion that gets, that gets triggered when I hear that like song and it just doesn't matter what form it's in. Um, so it's pretty transcendent when you can find these artists that are able to do that for you. So it sounds like these guys did for you for a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys, um, the other thing like they're, so the video for their new song one more time, which is about basically just like lost time and kind of regret and, you know, coming back together and all these things. Um, it's interesting because it, it like they're clearly in front of a green screen, but it just keeps like showing like the backdrop for all these, like it keeps switching backdrops to like all their different video music videos that they put out back in the day. So it was kind of, it was, it was interesting seeing them kind of in those same spots, but just older and grayer and, you know, a little chubbier in some cases. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> in most cases, it's good, man. It was it was fun to it was fun to kind of re rehash some of that stuff. So yeah. Anyway, um, so that was my diversity thing for the week. But yeah, go ahead, man. What do you got? I got one thing. It's just kind of like we kind of are on a break from alcohol here. You know, from time to time, we've discussed this before. Yeah. We like me and my wife kind of take a step back and just kind of reset and and uh and it's funny how that decision leads to other positive decisions i guess it's not funny or ironic it's pretty clear that that's what happens when you start when you stop doing like a quote-unquote vice then it leaves you open to, to and motivated to you know take care of yourself in other ways i mean i, I don't want to sound like an alcoholic or anything but you know we just stopped stopped the drinking i'm up at like 6 a.m every day just started doing like um uh fasted cardio first thing i feel like like right when i get to work at seven o'clock in the morning it's i feel like ready to go ready to take on the world it's kind of like this perpetuating thing and that allows me to like you know you make better decisions throughout the day like lifting weights doing some yoga just trying to like we're we're redoing the downstairs we're moving our office um from above our garage to um our downstairs area because um i guess it would be the equivalent of the bedroom in your downstairs uh apartment okay that space we're kind of turning into an office area it's not closed off or anything so it's it's open but we're like painting walls and you know we're going to get some more carpet and all this other stuff but it's been like all right cool let's make this one decision and then how it all trickles down to you making like oh now we are motivated to go you know do some stuff around the house and get things you know squared away and yeah we've been busy it's been a lot of fun though yeah, congratulations on that. Good choices, people. Make them. Yep, yep. All, All right. right, herding goats. Okay, herding goats. Let's do it. Um, what do you got All for right. good? The good? All right, J.C. Jackson. Now, this is a cornerback drafted in 2008 by the uh, New England Patriots. He earned himself a huge free agent contract. Um in his four second contract, a five year, $82.5 million contract with the LA Chargers. In 2022, he earned $3 million base, $25 million signing bonus from the Chargers. 
This year was a healthy scratch with the Chargers, and they cut their losses and traded him to the Patriots. Now, the Chargers are still responsible for $10.5 million of his $12 million um, base salary this year. So New England uh, brought a top 10 to 15 cornerback talent for a measly uh, $1.5 million. And they have a way out of their con- out of that contract after the 2023 season. Um, buyout, no cap hit. Um, man, what a great deal for New England. JC Jackson essentially pouted his way out of this out of the Chargers, little uh, a la James Harden. And it seems to, you know, I guess the Chargers are the ones with egg in their fa- on their face. But man, just a weird weird situation. But good for J.C. Jackson. Yeah. He's out there balling right now, by the way. Yep. Yeah, he is, man. He played really well uh, last, last couple weeks. Um, all right. My uh, my good is the NBA is back. Um, got to watch a little bit of the uh, Phoenix-Golden State game last night. It was uh, ended up being a real close, you know, four-point victory for Phoenix. Um, tonight we're about an hour, just under an hour away from uh, Victor Webb and Yamba's debut in the NBA. I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, just uh, is, is the regular time. season started? I haven't been. Yeah, actually... the regular season started last night. Oh shoot! Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, bro. Victor Webb and Yamba's debuting in an hour. Can't wait. My my head is in the clouds as it relates to sports right now. Just when I'm not like doing this podcast i'm painting walls or right just doing stuff man i need to get i need to focus what what yeah, am i doing here good. I, I got you bro uh, all right cool i'm excited to see that stuff all right oh also i found out that the nba uh they show uh nba games now on hbo on the max, max app. yeah because i think they're tied in with so, or something. so yeah that's awesome yeah so i'm really excited about that to be able to kind of watch um the the games in a uh un, undisrupted yeah <laughs> format don't make fun of the boxes mike wink yeah. wink wink yeah. wink wink well i have them for one effing reason dude it's to watch football and to watch basketball and if i if if they don't work like i pull my hair out no i know anyway no, trust me man i know All right. right. My bad this week is um, the island of Foster Moreau uh, dropped a a potential game winning or game tying touchdown in the waning minutes of the fourth quarter of Thursday night's game versus uh, Jacksonville would have given New Orleans an opportunity to tie and win the game. The guy felt horrible after this game. I had a lot of empathy for him. Like one little mistake means so much to so many people to his teammates. He felt like he let everyone down. I think he's from the area. Um, so it really sucked for him. Um, but I'm glad he dropped it because I don't like New Orleans. All right. Um, my bad was the Washington Huskies offense this week uh, against the one win Arizona state. Couldn't, you know, I think they were the highest scoring or one of like the two or three highest scoring offenses in college football and could, not get in the end zone um ended up winning the game i believe um 
what was it? It was why am I blanking right now? Seventeen to seven, I think, is was the final score. Um, or fifteen to seven, sorry. And because they had gone for yeah, they tried to get a two point. They got a defensive touchdown, tried to go for two, missed it, and they then they got three other field goals. Um just not a good look. I think Michael Penix Jr. is injured uh after that Oregon game and yeah, just didn't didn't look great. It was Oh it, really? You think you, you think so? Yeah, I mean he was keeled think, over it... at the end of that game, like holding his chest, like okay. something was something was hurting and, and took it some hits. Like he, yeah, it seemed like he couldn't get enough into his throws on Saturday. Um to get it to get it there you know i mean he drops the ball into the into a bucket normally and uh or you know can hit you know just drop it hopefully it was just a contusion that uh gets better after a couple of weeks yeah i was actually i thought i i had a feeling they were gonna sit him last week just to let him rest up because we don't you know i mean the backup quarterback should be able to beat arizona state but i do that that those are the games you got to watch out for though. Yeah, exactly. All right, so my my ugly this week is Michigan State projects Hitler onto the jumbotron um, as part of some trivia contest. Apparently, a question regarding Hitler's actual birthplace, uh, accompanied by a giant photo of him, were displayed on the big screen during the Michigan Michigan State game. Um, apparently the person responsible for this gap was fired. Ugly stuff. Yeah, definitely. I did see this, um, kind of surprising. Like I, yeah, just wild, wild, uh, that that slipped through, through the cracks. Um, yeah, that, that, <laughs> I thought it was a joke at first. I thought people were gonna be like, "No, this is photoshopped." Because you know, all over Twitter, it was like images of their jumbotron with Hitler on it, and I'm like, "That's probably just that's probably Photoshop or something." But turns out it wasn't. So good, good on. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, a bunch of morons. Um, my ugly is Kareem Jackson, the safety for Denver. This dude will not stop just hitting people in the head on some just Steve Atwater knocking mother effers out back in the 80s type stuff. And he just got suspended for four games for for doing this. So um, NFL seems to – I mean, I guess that's kind of a good thing too. NFL's cracking down on this stuff, but – uh, Kareem Jackson. Well, I think the ugly part of this is the response by some of, of the quote unquote fans oh, and yeah. some of their well, comments to him. Football play, like now he about knocked that guy's freaking head off, man. The tie, I think it was. I mean, it's still a football play, but I mean the 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 racist comments that accompanied that action. I mean, it was on a football field, and honestly, these 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 people out like fans and stuff out there like living or dying by these moments, you know, really need to reevaluate their lives. Honestly. I mean, this is, yeah, the guy, the guy, another bad hit. I think he had two of these uh, penalties in the last three weeks. This one was particularly ugly. He got ejected. He's going to end up um, losing, you know, some money for this. Obviously, he's getting suspended. 
Um, but man, there's no need uh, for all of the, the weird follow-up stuff. Agreed, man, 100%. Um, yeah, I, that's all I got for this week, man. Uh, all right. You can uh, please listen, yeah, like, rate, this... review, and share the podcast. I would appreciate it. Mike would appreciate it. The football world needs to hear this, and I think they will appreciate it. <laughs> man, sometimes you have to say what the fuck and make your bet. Jeremy, every now and then saying what the fuck brings freedom. Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future.